0: JB Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 35 of the Insure Tech Geek Podcast, talking about actionable insights from unstructured data with Sai Raman from Cogniture AI. tech geek podcast powered by jb knowledge is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world we'll be interviewing the minds behind the innovations that are driving technology in insure tech and doing deep dives into specific technologies that we see changing the industry we're taking you on a journey through insurance tech so enjoy the ride and geek out week in the fourth quarter of 2020, Rob Galbraith, the fourth quarter, this nutty year is one quarter away from being done. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to shed a tear when we cross into 2021.
1: No, I think we're all ready for this to be to, to, to be over. So I don't know, James, if I've told you about our, our political yard sign that we have at my house. So it is not for President Trump. It is not for Vice President Biden. It actually says "Giant Meteor 2020" just ended already. <laughs> exactly right.
0: I mean that's the that's the general sentiment this week, and particularly after the presidential debate, is uh, let's just get a meteor and and uh, and finish this off, right? It's like a it's a dumpster fire heaped on a dumpster fire. It's a it's a crazy year, and again, we we try to stay super apolitical on the on the show in general, and, and of course. Uh, there's nothing more apolitical than a giant meteor, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I do like that, Rob, and uh, I agree. I agree. It's been a it's been a weird year. I said the I think the only saving grace has been that we've had college football back uh, towards the end, and I've been able to. I went to the very first season opener. Texas A&M played Vanderbilt, and we managed to barely win. And uh, you could tell how distracted the players were because it was just a weird game, weird vibe. But uh, but you know, an Aggie victory made it made it taste a little bit better. And with us today, Sai Raman. Sai, it's good to, to see you. Where are you joining us from today, Sai? Uh,
2: Chicago, James. How are you?
0: I am doing really well. I love Chicago, in particular in the summer and the early fall. I'm a rabid Cubs fan, and uh, I, I, I love my windy city, so I'm glad you're joining us from there. It's a beautiful time to be out there in Chicago, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's, it's getting cold, but uh, Chicago in summer is, you know, you cannot ask for more. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. It's really it's really nice up there. So glad glad you're joining us today. A uh before we get started with our interview, don't forget you can subscribe to the InsureTech Geek podcast by texting geekout to 66866. Make sure you never miss an episode. And now back to our special guest, Sai Raman from Cognisure AI. Sai, we're going to talk about Cogniture. We're going to talk about just technology in general and and what AI really means, what 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 portion of AI you're using cuz you know, no one's no one's created general AI that we know of yet, right? You know, we're we're, we're all we're all dabbling with uh, specific forms of artificial intelligence. But I want to talk about you for a second. You you got your bachelor's in uh, Andhra University in India, and then you went to Madras for your uh, your master's in engineering, and then you you worked at a bunch of companies I'm super familiar with. Uh, you worked with some very very large. Indian outsourcing and consulting firms Tata Cognizant you were you you worked for several years over at HCL did you you know you you obviously had a had a bent towards engineering from a very early age because you 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 majored in it and then you started doing engineering and technology practice consulting so what was it about that that really attracted you when you were a a, a young kid growing up in India what made you want to be in engineering and and go work in technology
2: see when we were growing, actually, the the word technology doesn't exist. It's engineering or medicine. You know, we had two choices, and you know, uh, engineering was cream. Getting into engineering was really tough, so you know, it's a challenge. So I want to take that challenge and you know, at least get the engineering degree.
0: And and uh, and. When you once you once you got in, I mean, you, you jumped straight into to a, a consultant role with Tata, which you know they're they're a they're a massive company now. I mean, they're they're just enormous. What what practice area were you in there?
2: Yeah, so it's it's interesting, right? In in actually in India, ninety six to two thousand was uh, that ni- Y two K rush, you know, because in US that's when the actual Indian IT got the momentum. You know, the or you or you can call the tipping point, right? So a lot of people like me who who never thought about information technology got the experience like the startups and, you know, the infosys of the world started and, you know, uh, we were all excited. You know, mainly you can travel abroad, you know, you can work on multiple projects. So my my major was uh, mechanical engineering and, you know, in IIT Madras i was doing research on welding technology my specialization is welding technology and engineering and then i got an opportunity to be you know in TCS as a software engineer and that's the way it started to be an it
0: well that's a that's a pretty big difference so you you spent time studying orbital welding and and tig <laughs> tig welding and TIG welding and, yeah and you and you're, and you're like okay let's just jump into software
2: exactly yes yeah i, I it's 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 interesting when i jumped into the software i came to us in 97 and my first project was uh, working for target that was a, a target corporation you know we were supporting their systems and then i went back to india and then they made me a project manager for an insurance project so i always tell this story how i i became an insurance person and not by choice but it just happened so I was the project manager to integrate two company systems. And, you know, I have a 30-member team, and I have no idea what we are doing or neither 30 of the people. So we are migrating policies and contracts and uh, claims from one system to other. And we used to call uh, file names, PremSum, Paulsum. Six months into the project, we realized, oh, Paulsum means it's policy summary. PremSum <laughs> means it's premium summary. So it was such a mess you as a project leader you don't know what you're doing so i thought okay i need to understand insurance and that's the beginning of my insurance journey i say 98 or 99
0: yeah i mean it's it's how many of us in technology got into in any industry we worked in you know i I, I jumped straight into running a software company right after my senior year in college. I had no industry, particular industry expertise. I'd only done two internships with PricewaterhouseCoopers. So I had six months with a big consultancy, and they put me on some very interesting projects that I worked on. But I kind of knew what that was about, but had to kind of figure it out. And then I ended up in in, uh, insurance three years after I opened the company, and it's the same thing. Like what's a what's a policy? What's premium? What's yeah? I mean, I, I got two business degrees. I didn't get engineering degrees. I got an undergrad in accounting, a master's in information systems. They taught us nothing about insurance in the business school, and so I didn't know what policy and premium and claims and all of these things were. And it's funny because you you literally interpolate it from like field names and like table names and your <laughs> sequ- <laughs> in your SQL queries, and you're like, oh, okay. So it's a Totally different way of learning the industry because you're learning it from like it's it, it's like it's like learning how a body works from uh, sticking a you know a microscope inside someone's body. You're looking at like oh okay I see how this all how this all works. It's a it's a wild way to learn a business, but it's certainly you learn it pretty quickly because you have to learn how the data flows through an organization. Right. And that's a that's a that's a big challenge.
2: Yeah, I think the way I, I see quickly those days in India, if you are a, a technology person, you are like one project to other. Like, you know, from a one day you are in manufacturing, the other day in retail, the other day because you are a developer, like a yep. developer or Java. So first thing I did is I went and did it when I went to UK, actually as part of that project, I went to UK and then I took the certificate in financial planning. I'm actually a financial advisor in UK. I thought that gave me all the financial products. And, you know, I was the first person in TCS to uh, get that certification. Those days, domain is not there. Everybody was talking about technology. So uh, when nobody was talking domain, you know, when I started talking, So they made me a domain expert and (laughs) helped me stick to uh, insurance for the next 20 years. So I'm very glad that happened, actually. That is the way. uh, Otherwise, you are not going to learn insurance just by doing projects. You need to uh, make a conscious effort to really. So when I came to U.S. after that, I took the CPCU. I did my accounting and finance and insurance. So learning insurance doesn't come just by doing projects. You know, I think you have to Put a lot of effort to really understand uh, deeper, deeper of the industry. So that's what I did.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, Rob. Yes, yeah, I so you know James mentioned some of the big companies that you've been a, a part of, but now you are the founder and CEO of Cogniture AI, an A, a, a true tech startup. So I definitely appreciate you know spending almost twenty years working at USA, working at a, a really large company, and then kind of going out of my own like the the differences. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about what what made you uh, start Cogniture AI. What were the business opportunity that you saw. And then I know your focus specifically on helping loss run automation and standardization as an early use case. So maybe you can share why that is one that you began your focus on for your company.
2: Sure. See, I think as I was working with all the Indian companies, see, it's more of a, a James, you were also asking about my outsourcing experience, right? See, the India has gone through labor arbitrage. It's just, it's labor arbitrage. So now the world has started thinking about the automation arbitrage. you know it's more digital tools so a couple of years back, I started okay, I want to find out a problem in the industry which was never solved, and it's worth solving so my my initial thought was, see, as an individual, as a homeowner, you know, am I covered for all the risks which I'm exposed to so then you know, how do you find out if there are any coverage gaps in in my own scenario and only way you can see is you need to look at your policy and then you somebody says okay you don't have this endorsement you don't have this endorsement i thought how do if i'm able to come up a way where somebody can say look these are your coverage gaps these are the gaps in your protection and you know these are the severity and probability of these risks it will be great for me as a consumer but It's not there. I I cannot check what coverage gaps I have in my policies. And you live in Texas and, you know, 70 to 80% of flood claims, people don't even know that it's a separate policy or even, you know, especially in Illinois, the water backup endorsements in basements. So so my initial thought was, how do I find out coverage gaps in the policies? Or what is a, a protection score, like similar to credit score? What is my protection score? Where are my gaps so then immediately you are dealing with uh, a PDF policies. I have, what I have is a, my homeowner's policy, which is a PDF are my, see i wanted to read the policy and get me what I, do i have this endorsement do i have this ch- this limit so that started me on a journey of can i actually get what i want from these documents because they are non structured you know non standard unstructured so that's when i started as a as an experiment and i found out that it is pretty i was able to solve that it's not easy it's, it's you need to understand a lot of contextual knowledge of the uh, contracts and policies once i figured out a way to do that bingo then i said okay then there is a lot of potential then then i started looking and talk, talking to broker tech ventures and all rather than going to the personal lines initially why don't i focus on the commercial side and then I, when i looked at commercial side the biggest problem in commercial lines is the loss runs nobody has touched it because it's extremely complex and it's a, it's a massive uh, one so my starting point is is this complex enough nobody is there and i want to try uh, whether i can solve it and you know that's that's the way i started with loss runs
0: that's great i mean let's let's talk about cogniture for a second like just just give me the 30 second elevator pitch if you had to explain to someone very very briefly what it does help help me understand
2: see cogniture is basically actionable insights from unstructured data unstructured data in the context of insurance being policies, loss runs, code, submission emails. So, so basically, basically of, all the data. <laughs> all the data. <laughs> millions of hours are spent, and you know how can I see a lot of companies can are focusing on extracting the data. I say it's a it's a part of the problem you extract it then you need to understand what it is so that you can you know you can act upon the data so a lot of so my goal is cognition is just not extracting it is rationalizing normalizing into a common industry format and giving you actionable insights into the data if i if you give me a 100 page loss run okay so if i give you json so what good it is to a business user it's no good so i i need to put that into A context saying that, okay, your workers' comp claims because of these causes are high, so you need to focus on, see, it has to be converted into actionable insights. So Cogniture is uh, a company which can convert the data and then normalize it and give you actionable insights.
0: Awesome. And and look, when you talk about unstructured data, that's why I said that's basically all the data, because there's so much unstructured data in this business. I mean, the policy is a contract, right? And it's a lengthy contract, and it's complicated. And then all your claim files, there's tons of bills that come in, and then you have uh, tons of you know journal entries and diary entries and uh, transcripts of phone calls. And then I mean, you, it's it's just mind boggling how much unstructured data are. If you have a claim file, there's photos and video, and yeah, you, know, you you can really you can really dive deep. I mean, just in the policy itself, you have the policy and all the endorsements, and then the you know there, there's just Unstructured data heaped on unstructured data. This this entire industry from the very beginning of it thousands of years ago has been built on contracts and documents, but not contracts and documents that were in standard forms, <laughs> right? I mean, it was that's right. I mean, and that's that's really where the that's really where the rubber hits the road in insurance is all the little details and the gotchas that you have to read or that you're hopefully your broker is reading when you're when you're buying insurance. It's really complicated, and, and so. We've seen examples of financial service industry, like like there's an example of JP Morgan says they save 360,000 hours a year by applying machine learning, and some specific forms of AI, to reviewing loan documents. And what they're looking for is basically there's a lot of menial work in, in the financial services industry in both banking and insurance of people just re- looking for very specific language. I, I know that cogniture is not that that's simplistic, right? Where you're just looking for specific language and how it's structured. You're actually trying to develop trends. Are you trying to are you trying to get into like reserve recommendations and and policy recommendations? I mean, are you trying to do full policy review documents? Like what's the end deliverable look like at the end of the day?
2: It's see, I have a a very large plan, you know, but you you have to go through smaller steps. So my initial focus is like, for example, if you if you say, Policy checking, to your point, the goal of a policy checking is to do what? You know, to be able to identify what coverage gaps you have, whether all the limits are right. So you have to be able to do that. Whereas when it comes to loss runs, you know, you have a big construction company. You are, you know, when you look at a history of a company, okay, what do you tell them? You have a 100-page loss run from three different companies, workers' comp, general liability, and property. Okay, I have now uh, three loss runs and you know 100 pages. So what do I do with that? So you want to know, oh, do these three things so that you, know, you can reduce your losses or you can reduce your premium. What I am trying to do is rather than become an extraction as a service, I want to take one domain initially. Okay, let's take the loss runs as an example. Extract any claim, whether it is a auto, commercial auto, property workers comp, and then contextualize to make meaning out of it so then i will go to the next one then once i have the losses losses taken care now my, my i'll go to the policy i can go to the courts so it's not see that if you ch- if you try to do every document and any document i can say you're going to fail you have to you have to pick up one and I, my battle i picked up is loss runs so let me focus on loss runs because there are millions of loss runs are floating around and nobody has a solution yet. So that's that's my focus right now. But I will, I will launch into a lot of other things. To your point, see, there is a community aspect also. Like, so let's say, if I have more and more loss runs, I can tell you, let's say, this class code or this industry, on an average, this many claims. But why are you having many claims, more claims? Today, there is no centralized uh, claims. And if I succeed in aggregating a lot of claims data in commercial lines, I can give more powerful insights, which doesn't exist today.
0: And what, what's the end benefit result for the, for the company? Let's say a carrier, is a carrier buying this? Is a TPA buying this? Is a broker buying this? And if so, does this make them more profitable? Does this actually drive lower, lower staff time?
2: Yeah, so brokers are, buy- brokers are buying this because brokers, for example, if you take uh, their largest customer, they have anywhere 3 to 4 policies or 3 to 4 loss runs and you know it can be a 50 to 100 pages so they don't have a way to see all that loss data in one in one shape so they can advise them on loss prevention reducing the premiums and actually guiding the customer about uh, their risk mitigation strategies so today for them to understand the historic loss data they don't have tools that's why brokers are super excited The second one is underwriters are looking at, see, broker is again sending the same loss runs to underwriter. Underwriter is trying to see, oh, can I issue the policy or do I need to decline this coverage because this guy is too risky? So they have to spend so much time again reviewing these loss runs. So underwriters are buying in in terms of reviewing the submissions. And wholesalers, so the entire industry, risk mitigation, loss control, loss prevention, everybody has a view into your historic data of claims so that you can actually make a lot of meaningful uh, decisions, like you know, reducing losses, preventing all that.
0: Awesome. Rob, I know you have a question about brokers.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so you mentioned that being part of the initial cohort for broker tech Venture. So just kind of curious a little bit about your experience and Obviously, a lot of carriers have been uh, trying to to partner with startups, and I know you're you're uh, exploring those on the the carrier side as well. But yeah, what what attracted you particularly to uh, to work on the the broker side and to kind of focus there? And then again, yeah, I would love to to hear more about uh, broker tech ventures.
2: Yeah, so my whole life in a, in the twenty years, I think mostly I spent uh, with carrier side, you know, especially the policy admin claims billing. So last two, three years I got a chance to work with brokers. And I said, Oh my God, you know, I think brokers, they have they have not invested heavily in the technology. And the other thing is, see, the industry is always focused on product. You know, I'm I'm selling this product. Nobody's thinking from a customer standpoint. I am customer standpoint okay this company is selling auto product or workers comp product so broker tech ventures i thought is the best way to understand the customer because broker is trying to help the customer and that priority or that focus is missing in all the uh, digital initiatives of the carriers they are more interested in uh, you know how do i underwrite better or how do i uh, have an efficiency in my system so so broker tech i thought it is it is A channel to understand the customer better because broker is close to the customer. So that that's I said. Okay, I'm going there, and then he's when I show the loss run, he's looking from his customer's eyes. What can I tell him? You know, tomorrow, if I premium goes up, you know, I should be able to look at and say, yeah, you have to control your claims. So, so I think BTV has uh, is is uh, is a very very powerful accelerator there in the market. Number one, and they are because they are not too large brokers, right? They're—it's like their investment and time is is significant, and they're really working. You know, in pilots, I do see they want you to be successful, uh, and they are working, and they're really—it's different. It's different, and you know, a lot of involvement, and you know, you learn a lot. So I I really enjoyed being part of uh, you know BTV, and there is tremendous value. And you see a different angle. If you are an insurance, mostly you are from a carrier side, but you go to a broker, you get a different perspective of a product or everything. So that's what is very, very important. Uh, and I, I really liked it.
0: Okay. So let's talk about what's next. What's on the horizon? Because right now what we're doing, I feel like we're in the, the infant slash toddler phase of AI, right? We're we're learning how to use machine learning and software robots, and we're trying you know we're learning how to teach machines how to learn we're letting them learn and we're using the output to automate a lot of really boring menial tasks we don't want to do anymore and to identify trends that we don't have the time to analyze right like there's just an incredible we we don't have the budget available to pay enough people to sit and peel through unstructured data to get any information out of it which means we've got really untapped Exabytes of data that have never been analyzed before. Like, one of the things that really excites me, honestly, is the potential to go back and backscan scan uh, historical documents or take, and I've been watching some other machine learning and, and AI companies doing this. They're taking document repositories, you know, really old, like old case files, old claims files, old records, you know, going back 10 and 20 years, the ones that have already been scanned in. And uh, then they're they're using natural language processing, and they're 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 ripping them out. They're using OCR technology, and then they're they're actually analyzing all the notes, and then they're correlating the the notes to outcomes, and then they're looking at old policy documents. so there's a, there's a lot of work going on right now. There's hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, really chasing some really big problems. To and so that excites me because the, the, what what's going to come up is we're going to we're going to learn how to identify key drivers in the cost of risk that we really haven't been able to identify yet. So knowing all of that, what's on the horizon for you? Because I, I, we've we've talked about what's where you're at right now and what we're doing right now.
2: But what's next? See, I personally think, right, see what is missing, you know, in my 20 years of insurance experience is the customer view. So I always ask a question. If you go to a business owner and ask, are you covered, number one, for every anything that can happen to you are you covered or do you know what you are not covered see i am thinking this unstructured data if it can make a difference to the end customer see there is a industries will will spend like you know underwriters will will spend a lot of effort but how can how can we see what is the what is the purpose of re- insurance is? it is shifting from indemnification to prevention can i can you prevent the losses from happening so so i would say the unstructured see the, the what is next for ai is it's just all about preventing the losses from happening rather than you know how do you uh, you know how do you have all this uh, you know unstructured data so so i think i would say the the more focus is going to be shifting from indemnification to prevention and and technologies like you know if i know you know if for example I, I kind of myself saw that okay i'm in a zone where there is a risk uh, earthquake or mining mining risk right i don't even know that so so basically if i know what can i do about that or you know what kind of a coverage should i have so so what i'm trying to say is more the insurance has to start focusing on more the impact to the to the consumer because the carriers are always thinking about, okay, I implement a guideware platform. So it's not going to make a difference to me as an end customer. So I would say the next few years, it should be like, even in your construction, you know, I I, I have seen how the construction industry can benefit a lot. Like, you know, oh, it's amazing. so many things
0: here. <laughs> so it's many amazing. things. And it, it's an endless, it, you, you, you know, one of the most inefficient industries on the planet. People on insurance say that they're inefficient. Not even, not even remotely close to construction. To
2: construction. Yes.
0: Constru- construction, construction has has razor thin margins for a reason. The, one of the only industries on the planet that over the last forty years has not upticked at all in productivity output versus ag manufacturing. Everybody else has increased productivity, not construction. And so there's there, there's a ton of money chasing efficiency over in construction right now as well. Yeah.
2: Now, because even in the insurance companies have an interest, right? I think the, what I see is see insurance companies right now rather than i write a policy versus what is future to me is how do insurance companies collaborate with the end customers to prevent losses and make them better rather than yeah i have a policy i'm getting a premium and you know you you go and do whatever you want because you are absolutely right i think i think construction i had a special interest for construction and when i looked at a lot of research as i mentioned your report was Amazing, you know, JB Knowledge Report was the only report I could find. A lot of statistics around uh, constructing, you know, yep. you know, less than one percent uh, spend. See, insurance can drive the construction industry. Okay, you know, if you implement uh, this technology, it's win-win. You know, you you benefit, and as well as me, because the highest climbs happen in the construction industry. So, so I think the the collo- to your question, the collaboration is going to be shifting to prevention. Collaborating with the insureds to make a different ecosystem is what I'm 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 hoping for, but I don't know when that is going to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Rob. So Sime, so I'm real interested, you know, having seen your software and seen how it works and, and your capacity today to take lost information and, and not just take it from a PDF and 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 structure it and create, you know, fielded data and summarize it and uh, be able to identify you know, the causes of loss and things like that. But you, know, you actually have dashboards, you have analytics, like you can boil all that up to kind of a one page summary. You know, you know, you mentioned kind of an, an underwriter before, but both, both from a broker side to help advise our clients and from an underwriting side to, to say, is this a risk I want to accept or not? And possibly applications and loss control as well. So kind of a two-part question here. Number one, maybe you can talk about that added part because the part to me that's that's really new is is not just going from the unstructured to structured, right? But you know, you are actually creating the intelligence, right? A, a lot of maybe carriers are able to do that or they've got data science teams or whatnot, but you're making that easy, you know, for your uh, customers to be able to, to to gain those insights. So you know what extra steps do you have to do to to basically create the analytics? And then I'm curious you know, as we talk about unstructured data in general and how much there is in insurance, you know, are you purely going to be focusing on, on documents? You talked about policy language earlier, or are you thinking about uh, images, video? Or are there other things that are on your roadmap that you'd like to do in terms of unstructured data and insurance?
2: Yeah, so, so I think the the two-part question, your first question is, what do I need to do? First thing is, see, every carrier has their own structure, their own format. So your first step is rationalizing into a common common format. I think that is the that is the brokers are suffering because of that. I, I have a customer, I have five different loss runs. For me to really get a, a complete picture, that's my focus. You know, it's one, once you extract it, how do you how do you rationalize to a common format, a policy type in this one and this one? So then only you can do insights. So so a lot of companies, if you don't do that rationalization, it just I give you data in a different format. So which is also going to die, I think. You know, if insurance companies start doing that APIs, you already have a structured data that you are converting into a PDF and giving it. Now, if you start giving directly the api but still my value is the, the the normalization so that is the first part i think the second part is am i going to start thinking about uh, images and you know video see right now again it's use case to use case you know if you are going to look at a use case for example coverage gaps right i was thinking about okay somebody i can go and scan my take pictures and upload then i can immediately say okay you have some valuable paintings, or can you, based on the images, can you recommend, uh, you know, any, any additional things? See, there are so many, so many things, but image recognition and all, like Google's and Microsoft's are already much, much ahead of that, or even that NLP, natural language processing, right? If you are a technology company, you can never beat them, you know, they are much, much ahead. What My focus is contextualizing that data to insurance. I think that should be the focus for me. Yeah, image is there. Okay, what does that image means to me from an insurance context? So my focus is right now extracting and contextualizing and making a meaning out of that so that there is a value to everybody, you know, insured or broker or an insurance company.
0: That's awesome. Well, so thank you. It, this has been a this has been a great discussion. I mean, I I'm excited about the future of machine learning and artificial intelligence. I'm excited about the untapped potential of getting into all these documents and and really started bringing some normalization. I used to think there was hope for standardization in insurance. I've given up. Right? There's, <laughs> it's 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 not. I mean, you know, and I and I'm not a defeatist. Like I'm a pretty I'm an optimist. Like I think the 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 now, even even with COVID and all this other stuff, I think the now is great. I think the future is better. Just my general rule of thumb. But I think there is literally zero hope for any 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 semblance of standardization in the insurance industry. And so I think the only hope we have is for technology to bridge that gap, and 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 you know solutions like yours that are going to do it. So hang with us for a second, Rob and I've got a couple of a couple of news items we wanted to talk about, and I'm going to open up by talking about the insure tech market in general not uh, now, now like I don't cover a boatload of funding announcements etc but there's been an incredible amount of of activity in the insure tech space in general and i I, I think it, it it warrants some discussion and this is from The Daily Chronicle InsurTech market is booming worldwide go bear on side objects and more they're they're really uh, there's there's some good good research projects now let y'all uh, this will be posted in the show notes you can get it rob you, you you are and I've you've been friends with these folks for a while and I've been I've been getting to meet this really fascinating network of folks that exist in InsurTech. Uh, there's a lot of funding activity I mean, there there is a lot of funding activity, and it's not it does not appear to be slowing down. Low interest rates are are actually pumping even more money into private equity right now, looking for better returns. You know, the the, the public market is so chaotic and so psychotic that people are saying, you know what, we're gonna get we're gonna have a better ride over in private equity, and uh, we can't just leave our money sitting making 004 percent in the bank. Or, or, or even you know, negative theoretically negative rates, which is just mind blowing. And so, it's creating this juiced private equity environment. And you've been tracking this pretty closely. It's been, it's been active, active, active.
1: Yeah, it has. And I, I think uh, you know, it's it's almost returned to to the pre pandemic levels already. Right? Even though we're still in the the middle of the pandemic, we just learned last night. Now that we're recording, that you know, the president. The first lady now tested positive for COVID-19, so clearly not out of the woods in terms of the pandemic, but you're absolutely right, James, in terms of, you know, it's 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 money looking for a return. We're in a super low interest rate environment. We know that insurance companies, as well as private equity, need to find a, a return. That's how insurance companies make money. You know, they have yep. operational gains and losses, but, you know, they can always kind of be sure, try to be sure that they're going to get some investment gains. So part of it is coming from the the companies themselves, right? Carriers, reinsurers, and others, and uh, some, of course, from from VCs, and then the other part I think added on to that is we've seen some successful ac- exits, right? So we've seen some of these IPOs that are coming uh, that have already happened, like Lemonade, that are uh, lining up. We've seen other exits like you know, AN buying Cover Wallet and things like that. So you know, however they're happening, like we've had a series of exits now in 2020 that really is proving the value. Uh, of these insure tax. And so I think, you know, it's clearer than ever, right, that this is a, a really hot space. So whether that will continue or not, who knows? But it's not a surprise to me that, you know, the activity has really picked back up.
0: Yeah. And it's, I, I don't expect it to slow down largely because of the, uh, well, you, you have to pay to the, you, uh, what's the old saying? It's the economy, stupid. It, <laughs> It's all about the economy, and it's all about returns. And as long as returns suck, money's going to flow into private equity, and then they're going to. And the same thing with insurance. I mean, you're going to have a harder market; pre- premiums are going to come up. If their investment returns are in the tank, they got to make it back up on their on their you know <laughs> on their premium. And that's one of the reasons you're seeing, of course, some some movement in that area. Rob, you've got two pretty interesting news articles. What do you got today?
1: Yeah, so um, actually, uh, kind of a, a shout out to a group that has been working. Uh, this is a new startup called Be Atomic. They've been around for about a year and a half. Seth Zaremba uh, and Sydney Rowe work there. Actually, a buddy of mine, Pat West, just started working there as well. So these are folks that have been in the independent agency space for a long time and saw the need for a, a, a new technology solution for agents. So they're uh, launches their products called Neon. Uh, they just launched on uh, Wednesday. Ryan Henley had a big show. And so I'm including in the show notes uh, a link to the the YouTube video of the whole launch. It's almost an hour long. But uh, they go by the, the hashtag IndyTech. And then they say it's agency tech that is uh, created you know, by agents for agents. So uh, congrats to, to them. Something definitely to uh, check out. And then a uh, big headline this week was uh, Allstate announced that they are laying off uh, 3,800 employees. It's about oh. 8% of their uh, total workforce. So uh, we're going to include an article in the Wall Street Journal, but you can find it insurance journals and elsewhere. And so, yeah, very, very interesting times. I think this is not the first time we've been talking about uh, layoffs in the, the sector, James. So that continues even at uh, some of the the larger companies. So definitely the economy and you know more turnover, really, of employees. We know that insurance is a very tenured workforce. And we know that uh, as people leave the industry, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, then they're not all going to be replaced by people, and AI is certainly going to fill the the talent gap to some extent within the insurance industry.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty wild ride that Auto went through and is still going through because they had this sharp reduction in driving, and then this massive return in driving, and then they had they thought they were going to have a a lower total claim dollars, but then severity went up, and so you, they they really got like. I almost feel like they moved too quickly to rebate people. You know, they, they, they really did. I mean, because they, they did it, they distributed a billion dollars to customers through their shelter in place payback plan, a billion dollars. And, and it was like, man, that was really premature because you have, I mean, they, they had, they had fewer auto accidents for a very short period of time. It might, it might've been a month and a half, but then severity comes up, then driving comes back in force and they're kind of caught flat-footed. They they'd handed out all this cash, and, and mind you, this is just two months after they bought National General Holdings Corp for four billion in cash. So they they laid out a billion to the customers, four billion in a cash acquisition. Net income increased fifty percent to one point two billion in the second quarter. I mean, it's a it's a weird story, and, and and you know I follow these pretty closely, and so do you, and I still can't quite make heads or tails of all of it.
1: I don't know, Rob. Yeah, interesting times. And and I think, uh, you know, we've been talking about automation with, with Sai. So I'm kind of curious, Sai, you know, AI, getting rid of jobs, right? That's uh, been a big talk. So uh, I'm just curious if you you have any thoughts on, you know, what the future of AI is going to be. Are we going to be a, a jobless economy or uh, what's the, the impact for employment in the insurance industry uh, from your perspective?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, very interestingly, I don't know whether you read this Harari's uh, Sapiens and uh, Homo Deus book, which is a very popular book about, you know, what happens to human beings because of all the automation, right? It's a, one of the fascinating books, if you have to read, I say, Sapiens and the Homeward US. So he he gives an interesting perspective. It's not about, it's not, don't focus on jobs, focus on humans. So, you know, human needs. So it's not about, you know, what are their needs? So it, it's, it's this whole book is all about, you know, sometimes I shut down my insurance and I start. Reading these books to see completely different perspective, like a human angle. So, automation, uh, you know, automation and what it's just not about the one industry. He's asking one fundamental question that look, planet Earth cannot survive the way it is rapidly growing. So, Homo sapiens, the reason why so many species evaporated, but we existed and we are thriving, what is the reason? So, what is what is going to? It cannot sustain. So that there is a what happens, and how this automation is actually a threat to the whole humanity, and if you don't do anything about that, the Homo sapiens are going to be gone, and then there he's talking about uh, Homo Deus, who are like human gods. They will destroy the sapiens because they don't need you know because you. What is the purpose of a human being? So it's a it's an interesting whether it is right or wrong, but there is an interesting view. So to answer your question, so I think you know, on Anish, on, on, on an immediate uh, in the next few years, I don't think you know there's so much. You know, it's like people are looking for more help rather than replacing a lot of jobs initially. But but I think uh, that's a more broader question of uh, effect of uh, automation on the and the human species. Is what is recently, you know, is actually a lot of interest to me, and I am not an expert. I'm I'm learning a lot, uh, reading those things, and it's fascinating. It's fascinating uh, as a as a whole concept.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's I, I tend to be a, a utopian and not a dystopian on the future, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, I, I tend to believe that things are going to be getting better, uh, that the future probably looks a little more like Wally than Terminator. Like, you know, we'll you know we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, only only time will tell. Elon Musk has issued a lot of warnings around automation and AI, and he, he's a pretty smart dude. You know, I, I like uh, what, what, one of my favorite quotes of Elon Musk: "The greatest, and you'll you'll appreciate this as an engineer, and we're gonna we're gonna close on this." He said, "The greatest engineering minds of the most recent generation to enter the workforce have been focusing all of their efforts on how to get people to click on an, an ad." <laughs> and, and 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 he said we're trying we're focusing the greatest engineering minds of our generation on getting people to click on advertisements when we should be solving big problems that's why he's trying to get us to mars he's trying to solve tunnel boring he's trying to solve electric, electricity you know solar and electric and he we've got he he, we have to focus i just finished his biography. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And he really challenged me to focus on what matters, you know, focused all the engineers. I mean, we we have almost 180 engineers at JB Knowledge. We got to focus our time on things that matter. On that note, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Cy. Best wishes with the business. And we're excited to, to know you and meet you. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. And as always, the most interesting man in insurance, Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Always good to see you, my friend.
1: Great to see you, James. Great to have you on the show. And yeah, guys, another great episode.
0: Yeah, rock and roll. And uh, for all you out there in listener land, uh, this has been the InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by Jimmy Knowledge, jimmyknowledge.com. It's all about technology that is uh, transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, Kara Daltonar, our creative producer, and Del Waldeck, our transcriptionist. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week.